Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dimzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Still on the road, Andy. I was home for one day and one day only when we recorded a deep dive. It was, it was glorious. I was going to say your baritone wasn't quite as uh, strong. That Welcome to the deep dive. I have to accept, exaggerate. Well, this is, uh, you know, we, we kind of dogged in this division a little, but there's some fun stuff to talk about today. Maybe more in the second half of this, but no, we'll, uh, because you're on the road, we'll, we'll forego with all the pleasantries and small talk. The fanfare. The fanfare. We will uh, forego the adieu. With, without further ado, no more ado, we'll just uh, hopefully not flying over Russian airspace at James Cole. I don't think he's an enemy of the, the Putin. So I think I think you could fly. I wouldn't fly in Russia, but I think you maybe could safely. But yeah, I just said without further ado, and we went right into the ado again. Um, let, me, let me check that for you, Dan, too. Everyone was so worried about uh, Drew's uh, microphone and I ended up on the microphone myself. There we go. That should be better as well. It's funny. We did. Oh, that sounds great. We were so worried about your great. neck. All right. Well, one of us has sterling audio. The other of us is uh, uh, fighting fighting the uh, the fight of the road. But that's the way it goes this time of year, Andy. Um, Tennessee Titans 2023. Um, I got some takes. This time last year, uh, we took a bold stand that the Titans were secretly tanking. They went on to reel off a very impressive start to the season. They were covering machines through the first half. Ryan Taylor gets hurt, and it all went tits up. Um, the firing of the general manager uh, for presumably the you know shipping AJ Brown out of town. Uh, it was kind of incongruous with, with what I thought was generally a good self-evaluation of where they were in their arc. Um, but the Titans can't help themselves. They're in it to win. And for those reasons, um, this franchise is now squarely in the hands of Mike Vrabel, who, uh, you know, has shown an, you know, a Tomlin-like knack to snatch victories from the jaws of defeat and create 500 records year in, year out even if that comes at I the expense that, of realistically contending for the AFC. I made that same comp in my head earlier today when I was reading up a little on, on Vrabel. It was just like, you're describing Tomlin. Like, this is just, it's a good coach who gets the most out of some bad pieces. And yeah, 2022, they finished 7-10. and 10. Uh, Missed the playoffs after starting 7-3. and three. Like you said, they fired your GM midseason. Don't think the timing wasn't very pertinent to what was happening you know they just lost to aj brown and the eagles and um obviously that wasn't wasn't the greatest look for the guy who pulled that off so they just went with an interim gm we'll talk about the new gm when we get to next year but it was an it was an injury marred season and i do feel for them because they were doing some things right but when you lose your, you know, your starting quarterback, you miss five games. You lose Taylor Lewan, who missed a shitload of games. Uh, Harold Landry, who missed a ton of games. I think all of them. Landry was preseason. 
that was like a, a, a yeah. before the season injury. So right on the missing, right on the end of the season. Yeah, missing him. Uh, Robert Woods was not good. He might as well have been injured. Traylon Burks was you know okay early, but he got a concussion, missed some time. Uh, Malik Willis turned out to not be the answer. Um, obviously, we to saw that. Question. Yeah, to, to any question, we saw that. Uh, you know, that with the with the Ryan Tannehill contract situation where he's at, obviously, we saw that in this year's draft. They took another quarterback. Honestly, Dobbs Dobbs played himself into another job. He was kind of decent late in some spots. Henry still looked good enough, but you know, all the old lines started sliding, and it slid to where it is now. And I mean, this is, I pulled this from somewhere. Yeah. The, the, the ball carriers uh, were getting hit early and often like they did the yards before contact was really poor. Uh, the Titans quarterbacks were pressured over 25% of their dropbacks. It was a second most in the entire NFL. That was kind of a harbinger of where we're at now, because this is a really bad offensive line. Um, but yeah, again, it was just, there was a ton of injuries. It was tough. They did fire the OC after the season, obviously being 28th in points scored didn't help his case, but also getting a DUI. DUI. Yeah. That was the, that was the getting just back there, getting, uh, getting super fucked up on the, on the team plane and driving home. Wasn't great. Uh, the defense. So this was, and I want your opinion on this. The defense had a really good run stop grade. Yes, but the more I dug into this, nobody ran on him, because, Correct. because, you know, obviously, how many how many pass rushers have I listed that have been injured? Autry was injured. Yeah, um, you know, so once you do that, and then you lost Christian Fulton, it became oh well, we could just throw on this team. That seems easy enough. So their run grade was good, but also nobody got run on less and passed on more than the Tennessee Titans defense. Like it was just a uh, hey take what they'll give you. And they're really giving it away in the passing game, especially, you know, over the top stuff. So a little bit of a, little bit of a grain of salt was saying this was like a good run defense. It was just by, you know, relative to the past defense and then teams just kind of stopped running on them in general. My highlight of last year was they had a pretty good punter. <laughs> turned out, uh, turned good. out to, yeah, he was he was very good for a, a young punter. Mike Rabel squeezes those edges out of the special teams, buddy. You better believe it. Every single man on the 53 is contributing in some way. Um, yeah, it was a wild, weird season. Um, despite the positive start in terms of win loss, I still felt like and I say positive start, they you know, they uh they had an ugly loss as a five point favorite week one on a, uh, the New York Giants tone-setting two-point conversion attempt, um, which was pretty stupid from an analytic standpoint, but it worked out, and it won Dable over the locker room, and ultimately they needed that win to get into the playoffs. So uh, congratulations, Giants. But that was a, you know, you lost as five-point favorites at home. Uh, you go into week two Monday night football game against the Buffalo Bills, a team you had performed well against in years past. You're 10-point dogs, and you didn't even sniff them. It was a 41 million ass kicking. And uh, through two weeks, through two missed covers, we're starting to do a little victory lapping. Hey, this is a little secret tank job. They do kind of understand. Now, the secret tank job was the best conspiracy theory from last year. They ripped off, they went on and ripped off five straight wins, 
eight straight covers. One of two teams that covered eight straight times in 2022. The other being the aforementioned Cincinnati Bengals, who ended the Titans covering streak. Um, during that streak, they were favorites a couple times. It was schedule was very easy. They did cover 12 and a half against the Chiefs. Um, but like the market had meaningfully downgraded this team after seeing Buffalo just run up and down all over, run amok on them. Uh, and it was exactly the way you laid it out. This team was a pass funnel. They were exceptional at stopping the run, and they were very poor at stopping the pass. And so game planning, a game-specific game plan for how to attack this defense was very straightforward, and they never really adjusted to it. In the games that they won, they typically did by holding teams into the teens, teams into the tens and teens. Uh, a lot of they gave up 10 or 17 points. My guess is that's just because teams had a difficult time putting away the wins on the ground uh, or put, you know, kept, you know, they had it that, you know, the teams had a difficult time getting going, I guess, on the ground. I, I really don't know what happened there. Um, but uh, it was also up against a bunch of really questionable quarterbacks. They got to face Matt Ryan twice in that stretch. They got to face Carson Wentz in that stretch. They got to face Davis Mills in that stretch. They got to face Russell Wilson in that stretch. So I think a lot of sort of the early season signal that the Titans really were going to be in the playoff picture. Yeah, and you know, this is the team that's coming off of a one seed in the very, very talented AFC. Like they, people, you know, they, they people definitely thought, um, you know, they could potentially repeat that level of success. Um, and they, you know, they did well going up against weak quarterbacks. But then the quarterback challenges the tables turned, Andy, in the stretch between going against Burrow, Hurts, uh, Trevor Lawrence, and. Uh, Justin Herbert. That's a tough four-game stretch, and they went from conceding massive, you know, conceding you know ten to seventeen points to conceding 20, 35, 36, 17. Uh, you know, those still aren't huge numbers, but uh, it was enough to knock them out of the playoff mix. Ultimately, the loss to the Houston Texans in Week 15 was kind of a backbreaker. There were three-point favorites in that game. Um, yeah. Never. Again. Uh, and then the final week of the season. Their playoff hopes were still alive, Andy. If they win in primetime against the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're in. And they almost did. Yeah, <laughs> they, were, they were up by 10. They were, yes. Game. They were. Ultimately, they covered, um, but they did not win. And uh, Jacksonville goes dancing. Tennessee goes home. And I don't love the team-building concepts that they went through this offseason. They had some pretty obvious areas that they needed to address. They didn't really. Um, I think they needed to go into tank mode to really kind of rebuild, but they didn't. So this team is kind of going to be squarely in purgatory for the foreseeable future, as far as I can tell you. Um, and I made up, you know, I, last yeah, last year's record on, you know, was not a success. Ultimately, no. you, know, give, you know, trading away A.J. Brown was a franchise-altering decision that was quite poor uh, if you weren't going to then rebuild. Right. Yeah. Um, it really, I mean, it was, uh, and there was some, you know, youth, there was some Robert Woods and there was some injury, but like, it just, it was that bad of a receiving room that they could really never get anything going. Henry was, you know, a, a step older. I mean, since 2019, he's carried, he's had like 1200 carries and granted a bunch of those end up in the end zone or out of bounds, but 
like how much money would it take for you to be tackled? Like, all right, I'm going to have a, a, a pro bowl linebacker tackle you drew. You can put pads on. I would have to, it would be five figures for somebody to let them do that to me. I think essentially he's let, you know, that happen a thousand times over like three years. It's so yeah. much where like I, we, we've said this every year for like three years, but eventually that has to wear on a guy. I think we're starting to see some of that. And yes, this, the chiefs game every year we get these weird games, but yeah, I, I had to go back and look cause I, I remembered him throwing a bunch and I didn't remember this. If I told you Patrick Mahomes was 43 for 68 with 446 yards, how many points do you think Kansas city would have scored in at regulation in a game like that? 35. <laughs> yeah, it was, that sounds like that a 30. But that was get? A seven, yeah, that was a 20? 17 all game going into overtime that the Chiefs just scraped by. They could not run the ball. They could not convert third downs. Neither team could convert third downs. Tennessee was one for 11 on third down and somehow took them to overtime in that game. Henry was Henry was good in that game. They didn't turn the ball over and they were perfect in the red zone. Like that's what it took. But yeah, they, there was a few weird results. And obviously the end of the season stuff was they were, they were injured. Uh, they had to go to Willis. Willis didn't work. They ended up going to Dobbs. It just, uh, there were so many things going against him late in the season. And, uh, you know, the team that we're going to get to here in a second, the Jaguars were kind of doing the opposite while they were seven and three, the Jags were three and seven. Obviously there was some, I don't know if you, if you go look at that three and seven record too, they had some games they could have, should have, would have won. It was a better team than we thought. And I don't want to talk too much about the Jags because we're going to do that eventually I have some thoughts on what turned that season around but yeah this was for all intents and purposes a very disappointing season considering where they were the year before and yeah you fired the coordinator you fired a couple other coaches the O-line coach uh you fired the secondary coach you hired a GM that sent me down a weird rabbit hole uh I didn't know a ton about Ron Ran Carthen <laughs> his dad was a fullback in the league. Um, I knew he came from the Niners. I went and dug into him a little, and you know the Wikipedia thing where it goes way back, and I, a name popped out. It said Minnesota Moorhead, and it, the year was kind of mid two thousand. I had to look at it, and eventually I ended up on Eric Eager's uh, LinkedIn page to try to match it up because that's where he played college football. I'm like, I wonder if this was uh, if they they didn't cross paths. There was like a couple years apart. So, but Sumer Sports tie-in anyway. Uh, Carthen was hired by the Falcons by Thomas Dimitrov in his first year as GM. That's where he got a start. Ended up uh, getting hired uh, at a, a bigger role in the Niners organization. Moved up there pretty quickly. It, it looked like so. Maybe a maybe a plus move for them. I never know with GMs. I think hiring somebody from the from the Niners organization is probably a plus. Yeah, just, uh, not the only uh, not the only parallel, by the way, with uh, with the Falcons. Um, the Falcons feel very much like this year's Titans, just in terms of how they're going to approach a game. Yeah. The Art Smith uh, Art Smith is obviously trying to recreate the success that he had with Tennessee. Um, Tennessee was an under machine last year. They were uh, eleven and six to the under. Um, and honestly, the market adjusted their totals down pretty quickly. By week four, we were looking at 43s. By week six, we were looking at four, or, you know, hovering around 40s. We closed the season with like 35, 39. Didn't matter. This team was just chug, chugging, chugging under, 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 under. 
And that's kind of the way I read the Falcons this year. So, um, yeah, a lot of, lot of similarities. I guess the, they've never really been able to reproduce the offense they had with Art Smith. They've been trying. Um, they, they have not, been, and I, I kind of have bad news on my, my take on what they go from there. So uh, before we get in, yeah, before we get into the new offense, the, you know, I, I, I talked Carthen a little. He did kind of have his work cut out for him because there were some big contracts. Like uh, Dupree was making a ton of money. Lawan was making a lot of money. They, they're kind of up against it, and they weren't in a good spot to be up. It's not like, hey, we just won a Super Bowl, but we got to make some cuts. Okay, we just had a disastrous second half of the season, and we got to make some cuts. So he uh, he has his work had and has his work cut out for him. And you know, obviously, the offensive line was a big a big problem, big ask. They did they did make some make some moves. Obviously, Skaronski with the the first round pick. They signed a tackle from the Eagles, but man, they they've had some they've had uh, some attrition, some injuries, and some suspensions. So it's still not something that's fixed. And obviously the other big issue is the wide receiver room, which looked like it wasn't going to get fixed at all. And then they obviously ended up going and getting a wide receiver. Well, depending how you feel about him, it's, it doesn't matter if you think like his best years are behind him. He is a massive upgrade from what they had. So if, if things come together a little, and Derrick Henry doesn't, you know, die on the field from overuse. There's some pieces here because Tannehill's, you know, a, a very serviceable quarterback. This isn't a pushover team, despite where they're at in the rebuild. It's just kind of effing fragile, you know. We saw sure. Tannehill miss time, and that wasn't good. Uh, you know, we got Willis still on the roster. We got, uh, got what, what's uh What's Manet's guy's name? Will Levis, um, he's injured in preseason. He missed some time. He missed a game. He might not play this Friday in the third preseason game. Tannehill doesn't take preseason snaps. Maybe he might have to, otherwise we're going to look at a oh, 100% Malik Willis game in week three here for for the Titans. But uh, it's uh, it's kind of a goofy season because the schedule isn't bad. The team isn't horrible on paper, but I guess it's it is one of those fragile teams where you better hope you hit on Hopkins. Like that has to work. Your quarterback has to stay healthy, and you can't have any more attrition at the you know at the wide receiver or at the the offensive line. It just it feels like one of those where the wheels could fall off real quickly again. I guess at least you're in the AFC South. So I don't know what what did you think of the the offseason moves? Um, I had a controversial take that. Uh betting pod ratings pushed back on and called me an idiot for, and I want your take on it. Unless you run betting pod ratings and it was you who was upset about my take. <laughs> but, I'm, I'm uh, glad he fi- I have him muted, but I, I did. Somebody <laughs> let me know. He finally, uh, I finally got tagged as um, oh, good. one, good. one, he didn't have time to listen to or couldn't make it through. Yeah, she, sure. Yeah, I guess it could be a cheat. I was a little no. worried that people were going to think it was me because that, turd you were conspicuously yeah 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 you were well, conspicuously, he, I was conspicuously uh, absence and yeah. he he uh mentioned the trenhale podcast yes yes which is which you would do which I've, you would mentioned, do. I've mentioned at least five times yeah. on here that's my would, favorite yeah. podcast of all time yeah um no the um the take was when hopkins got signed 
that's solidified my sincere belief that the Jaguars are going to win this division. Okay. And the reason is this, that eliminates any kind of realistic chance that the Titans just suck enough to go into tank mode and give the Colts or the Texans some extra wins. Right. Like it, like it, like Hopkins on the Titans to me keeps Indian Tennessee pretty squarely in three and four. No Hopkins. And all of a sudden I can see a world where Tennessee is the fourth best team pretty clearly. <laughs> right. And so, you know, to me, it was just, it, it was a sign that the organization is going to try no matter what till the end this year. They're, you know, they're going to, if, if, if Tannehill is healthy, they're trotting him out there. They're not building for the future. They're trying to win games this year, even if it's only six or seven, right? Including those games against the Texans and the, and the Colts. And I thought the way that the schedule was laid out, there was a realistic chance if you gave the Texans or the Colts a couple extra wins early in the season, then all of a sudden they're a threat to uh, to take take uh, take the crown from the Jags. And so I was like, oh, good. So we kind of have some information. Titans aren't going to quit. They're going to try. And, you know, Hopkins keeps, you know, to me at least, moves the skill position group. He's a chain, and he's a chain mover. That's, he's a chain that's, mover? That's what they yeah. lacked a lot. There was a lot of problems just getting third downs, getting he's getting a, the ball yeah. moving. He's a chain mover, and he absolutely raises the skill position group from bottom five to middle of the pack. Um, and that overall moves the offense into a range where I think this is now 500-ish team. And that's perfectly fine. They're going to beat the dregs of the league, largely on the strength of their defense, and they are going to have relatively little chance against the good teams because they're not going to be able to score more than 20. And that's be- any, and basically, like, this is a pretty easy read team to me now, which is you're going up against any kind of pass rush with a pulse, you fucked. You're going up against any type of team that has an elite passer, you're fucked. If you're going up against, uh, if you're going up against a team that's a little weak or a little imbalanced or has, you know, a specific, you know, kind of weakness, then you're going to win. Uh, and I think that gets them into the six and 11, seven and 10 range pretty comfortably. Um, but I don't think that threatens the Jaguars because they just don't match up with Jacksonville very well. I don't think. No. And yeah, it's, I hate making strong assumptions about a group we haven't seen play because essentially it's an in, this is an entirely brand new offensive line. Like it, it's four guys who didn't weren't here last year, didn't play, and then and then your center's kind of new. And he didn't play center last year; he was a guard. So it's 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 hard to just say like, hey, this these five people that really haven't played you like they're gonna suck really badly, but. If you look at the grades and where they came from and, you know, how they played in other cities, I guess I'm okay with it. I guess it's just where I, I hate doing just broad, broad strokes on, you know, a, a, a big unknown like this, but it's really hard to make any sort of bold case for this offensive line. Uh, they struggle, the offensive line that struggled last year is probably just going to be five different guys or four different guys. And then uh, one guy who moved to center, it's going to struggle in the same kind of, you know, the same kind of relationship they had last year with the, you know, the high pressure rates, the poor pass or the poor run blocking rates. Like Derek Henry got hit early and often. It's lucky he is the tractor Cito because he, and he's able to make, you know, yards after contact, which again, to my point, he gets hit 
so many times a year. It's crazy that he still keeps on trucking. And I guess the most troubling thing I saw from, you know, the, this whole thing was the, the, the Tim Kelly offensive coordinator part where he's the guy I, I mentioned, like he came, he came from Texan, he came from the Texans and he did do some, you know, some play calling, some play scheming there in, in 2021. And uh, God, where is it? It was from football outsiders basically saying like, Hey, you know, Todd Downing ran the ball no matter what. Didn't matter how effective, ineffective it was. He was going to run, and he was going to run a lot on first down. And, um, yeah, it was kind of the same thing with Kelly in 2021 with the Texans. Like, eh, Except when they had an empty package, which makes it hard to run the ball, uh, empty backfield, he ran the ball on first down like more than anyone in the league that year. No. So – it's probably just more of the same where it's ineffective play calling. So even if you bring in Hopkins, that's a, it's a boost, but unless there's some magic means, we just don't know about with this offensive line or Tim Kelly suddenly evolved as a play caller. Like it's, I struggle to see this being a good offense and, you know, on the other side of the ball, they did make some changes and they they have some players. There's some decent players, but they probably just don't have enough of it on any of the levels for it to be a, a decent defense. So, yeah, it's one of those where it's, yeah, if they match up with a team that doesn't have a particularly good pass rush, maybe can't stop some of the run schemes they put together, they're gonna they're gonna score 20 points. And if they can keep the other team to 17, they're gonna they're gonna win those same ugly you know, 30, 35 to 40 point games that they won last year. Uh, So it does feel just terribly similar. And, you know, the the upside from last year would be if Tannehill plays the whole season, it's going to be a better team than trotting Willis out or trotting Dobbs out, especially with, you know, the lack of skill position players they had. So, yeah, I'm only for health reasons. I'm only projecting Tannehill. Um, to start 14 weeks. Um, I think missing three games is realistic. If you combine that with the offensive line and the risk of specifically the hits he's going to take, maybe, maybe that's a, maybe that's a, maybe that's an end conservative assumption that he's going to make 14 games, but 14 of Tannehill and three of the backups puts your quarterback situation in sort of the twenties for me. Um, your offensive line is 32nd with the bullet. Um, I don't think there's really an argument of who's the worst offensive line in football. It's on paper, it is the Tennessee Titans. The reinforcements are nothing to write home about either. The and it's a balanced weakness. It's like it's not like there's one or two weak links. It's like they're all weak links pretty much. Pretty much. Um, I guess the one guy that I have as above replacement level is Aaron Brewster, but he's right at the middle of the line. Like he's right at replacement level line. Um, the... Well, and also, and he again, he is changing positions. Like he, he was, he was a guard last year, yeah. and he had, he's going to be called to start start at center this year. So, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, Petit Freer with the the suspension. Um, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a whole thing. It's gonna be a it's it's gonna be a struggle. I think if we are looking for a highlight of this team, there's a decent chance they have a good defensive line. And then, you know, Fulton is 
Fulton is very serviceable. I don't know about the the Sean Murphy bunting thing. That was the guy. He was kind of just the guy who was right place, right time for some interceptions for yeah. Tampa, but he struggled at times. He was, he was um, the weak link in that secondary by my numbers. Yeah. So the yeah. So that you know the pass rush, the defensive front in general looks good on paper, but if the secondary struggles, they're obviously going to feel some of the ramifications of that. Um, God, who is it? Uh, yeah. Simmons, Landry, uh, one of these. Jeffrey Simmons guys. is a uh, Jeffrey. Yeah, Je- Jeffrey Simmons is a true blue chip defensive tackle. Yeah, and he's perfectly made for today's NFL. Um, he is the straw that stirs the drink. There, uh, I think the rest of the guys on that line, Autry, Tart, and Landry, are sick. They're sick. Um, this is a very, very, very good front seven overall. It's a top ten de- defense by my numbers. Uh, I have them ninth. Uh, I have their front seven high. I have their pass rush right now graded fourth in the NFL, largely on the back of Simmons. Uh, um, the DBs are weak. The linebackers are weak. The linebackers especially are weak. Um, this team is still a pass funnel. They're a tight end funnel. They're a pass funnel. And uh, I think it's going to be pretty straightforward for teams to game plan against them, which makes things, as you said, very fragile. Um, the guys who are gone, but Dupree never lived up to his contract. David Long is a good player that you let walk out the door for some reason uh, and then there was a laundry list of guys that are no longer here including austin hooper and robert woods and mario your your, your mic is starting to really suck drew like it's <laughs> cracking and cracking and speeding up oh, and yet I, I mean some some of the guys that didn't walk out the door some of it was just couldn't afford them anymore and you had to go for find some guys that cost half as much so i don't know how's your phone doing do you want to none of them were very good though <laughs> yeah None of them were very good, and the guys you brought in aren't very good. So your off-season grades for me are you get a D. Um, you elected not to rebuild in sincerity. Um, we know you were trying to trade up for the third pick to take C.J. Stroud. I don't know if I loved that move necessarily, um, and I don't know that I love a guy like Mike Frabel deciding, hey, uh, Ohio State guy, I like him. He's my kind of guy. Let's go up and get him. That's a bad sign. Mike Frabel kind of fingerprints on some of the decision-making as far as kind of how you populate this roster is a bad sign. Um, so long-term kind of seller of the Titans in terms of franchise vision, um, even though Rabel is a good coach, uh, gets the best out of these players. Um, sorry about the audio, Yeah, guys. no, that, 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 and that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing for me is like they were forced to part with some players due to expenses and contracts. The guys are placed them with, at best, you know, below where they're at. They didn't wow me with the hire at offensive coordinator. So you've got, and you've got, I don't know what like Tannehill's motivation is. Like he wants a contract somewhere next year. He's not that old. Like the you know quarterback, like so, probably highly motivated. But at the same time, if he starts getting dinged up and he's worried about a long term injury or something like i'm if i'm him i'm sitting i'm like shut himself I'm, down yeah this is not blood sweat i'm not giving you blood sweat and tears for this one so so yeah let's uh let's pull up the schedule because i did allude to that a little earlier it's not not horrible and if you look to they do have one of their home games is technically lost because that baltimore game is a london game and they're dogs in a lot of these, but a lot of these early games, 
they're not they're not big dogs. Obviously, home at Cincinnati is not easy. At Cleveland, very tough. The Chargers game is, uh, I guess, at least it's at home and it's early in what we're going to see from the new Kellen Moore offense. Kind of the same thing with New Orleans. You're getting it early while they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with uh, the new offense down there. Not that I trust you know that coaching staff at all. And God, this was uh, another another nice nugget from uh, Clev Ta in his preview, the travel outside of London, granted they will go to London, England, which is a long ways away. And they take the buy after it at least. But outside of that, the furthest West they will go all year is Houston. No mountain time games, no West coast games. Their overall travel is very, very light. You see that, you know, even when they have the travel disadvantages, they're the light orange, they have a nice travel, uh, significant travel advantage. I'm guessing that's a, a Seattle back-to-back road road. They get a, a team that they should probably be competitive with, if not you know, beat because it's a home game in Atlanta off the bye. There's some decent spots for them here. It's just like you said, it, it's hard to, even if, you know, I don't know, what's what's a little, I, I hate to say even middle of the pack, a realistic ceiling for this offensive line is probably like 20 no stretching it well no true, no true no there's way. too many too many unknowns i'm i'm absolutely willing. oh god okay there's too many there's too many unknowns and i'm absolutely willing to stretch it out there like obviously 90 percent of the time this offensive line is 27 to 32 like it's, yeah, it's at bottom, least it's, it's at bottom least. five 90 95 percent of the time but there's uh, you know least, yeah. let, let's just say everything everything comes up tennessee everything comes up oilers here the good luck that's going to come <laughs> with pulling those those jerseys out like if their offense god even 20 all right let's say 23rd that's, i'll give them i'll give them i'll give them a ceiling of 25 when the dust settles they got some health. They got some continuity. The balance of the season, we're willing to say this is the 25th best O-line. That's the ceiling for me. Let, let's say, yeah, let's say the offensive line overperforms somehow. Derrick Henry's yeah. healthy. Nuke works. Tanny's yeah. healthy. Like everything we said, all, all the positive stuff turns out. It's still very, very difficult to, you know, find a way where this is like, hey, they won nine, ten games and are in the playoffs. Yeah, and part of the reason is there's a combination of problems, not just that you have an especially poor O-line, but this schedule of pass rushes is phenomenally tough. This is a nasty, nasty slate of pass rushes. you got to go week two uh, against uh, Bosa and, and Mac. Week three, you get uh, Clowney and company. Garrett. I mean, you get, um, you get a Garrett and company. Uh, week four, Cincinnati is consistently outstanding at generating pressure. Baltimore, I think you can count on being decent-ish by the time we get to week six. Uh, Atlanta just invested a ton in their pass rush. Pittsburgh has one of the best. Pittsburgh in the has a player. Welcome to town, Vita Vea and Shaq Barrett. Welcome to town, uh, Brian Burns and Carolina Panthers. Welcome to town, Jalen Phillips in Miami. Like this is literally going to be uh, the team that you circle. If you are trying to make your defense player of the year case and your name's not Michael Parsons, like you got, you are thinking Tennessee's on my schedule need five that day. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of it's, good players. I know. It, it, all, the, all the bull cases I made for this offense, whereas like Tannehill is not bad. 
Hopkins is legitimately good. You still have a very, very viable running back. It, it's it's kind of like what we said when we talked to uh, Miami. You know, it's, hey, Tyreek Hill might be the best receiver in the world, but if you're trotting Skylar, Skylar out there, you might as well just be starting anybody else. Doesn't matter. Like, it completely nullifies something. So if this offensive line is truly and, you know, completely that bad, and it's just 32 out of 32 again, high pressure rates, getting people hit in the backfield, lots of sacks, lots of tackles for losses, lots of long third downs. It doesn't matter if you went and got Hopkins. It's just, it kind of just nullifies the moves you made and anything you did to try to improve it. And then on top of that, again, you if you're going to run with an offensive coordinator who's known to run more than he should on first down, and you have a bad offensive line and your play sequencing sucks and you're looking at a lot of third and longs behind a bad offensive line with TJ Watt looking at you across the line, I guess good luck getting to six, seven wins here. Yeah. Yeah. That's very possible. So, I mean, you gotta face, you gotta face the mighty Jerry Hughes two times in three weeks, (laughs) (laughs) week 15 and 17. Um, No, I mean, I, I, like I, I, honestly, the, the, the week, Teams in terms of pass rush here are probably the Colts and the Jags and then the Saints. Um, so I guess good for you, at least, that two of those are divisional teams. Um, but your defense, for what it's worth, really matches up poorly against the likes of the Jaguars. Yeah, and, matches up really poorly against the likes of Cincinnati. They're, do, they're doing some different things with Trayvon Walker, and we'll talk about that. But if, if, if Trayvon Walker takes the next step, Devin Lloyd plays well, Josh Allen – like it's, it's not, yeah, there's a, good. Yeah. There's a, talent. It's there. not an easy front. Like that's not a super easy front. Uh, Dwayne Smoot. And obviously I keep talking about the Jaguars and the Tennessee, like he'll be back eventually. He's mid October kind of thing. You won't, you won't see him. God, they might, <laughs> he might be back for both Jacksonville games. Like you'd want to play that defensive line a little earlier while Smoot is still injured, but um, yeah. Real quick uh, comment on this. It's schedule. a struggle for me. Yeah. It, it's same. good for travel it's not great just in general because like you mentioned all the pass rushes and uh, you know, just the fact that you're, you're not good, I guess. There's one game on here where Tennessee is going to be super duper live to pull off the upset because they're going up against the team that just does not have pressure uh, that can wreck this game. And actually I like the over as much as I like Tennessee and it's week one against the saints <laughs> at new Orleans. I think I think that actually spells maybe the best betting plan of attack for any t- early season team we have besides the commanders who love week one and cannot wait to fade week two. Um, Tennessee is going to come out and give you a game effort and score into the 20s against the Saints, I think. People have not wrapped their head around the Saints being a beatable defense, and that total is sitting at 41. That's too low. I think then there's a chance that that Titans-Chargers total – you know, maybe that maybe if the Titans plot the upset, maybe we catch a Chargers minus three, um, and maybe we catch Charger. You know, maybe a total that's in the uh, the low forties there, uh, and that looks like an opportunity for the Chargers to pitch like a shutout because if they can generate a pass rush against that Tennessee O line, um, Tennessee might be in deep freaking trouble. Although it is worth noting that Tennessee and Derrick Henry match up pretty well against the pass the rush defense that the uh, Chargers tried out there. So maybe I'm a little ahead of myself here, but. Um, I'm going to be very, very excited to see how the total market is shaped through the first three weeks, four weeks, because I can see kind of increasing distress 
with the pass rushes that this team faces early in the season. And and truthfully too, I'm I'm not super sold on Baltimore as a as a pass rushing front. Sure. Good linebackers, good better the secondary is improving, but there's a few spots and I mean even depend it depends how you feel how Miami will improve in that right too. There's a few spots against some teams there sizable to medium-sized dogs that maybe won't have the best pass rush that'll make them look a little better than they can but at the same time i think uh, i was kind of hoping to go into the research i you know I, I had a bunch of notes but i i topped it off today and i'm like man i hope i find some things that put me off the jaguars to win the division a little more it was kind of the fucking opposite, man. <laughs> like I, I, I felt worse about it after I dug more into Tim Kelly, the offensive coordinator. I felt worse about it when I looked at, you know, the, the changes. Just they were hamstrung with salary cap stuff and the fact that they're they're sitting here not quite in a spot where they can move on from quarterback and start a rebuild. So they're definitely a purgatory team. Like Big the best time. case scenario for a uh, a Nashville resident is like seven. Yeah, Tannehill gets turfed in week one, and like this team sucks. Mm. And 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 the the other positive about that is you likely play Will Levis, and you get to see what you have there. Yeah, what you have in Willis. So, yeah, interesting. Uh, getting a lot of Willis in the preseason. Do you have a sense if he's in QB two this season? I guess it depends on Will on Levis's health, right? So yeah, that's the thing. Will Will Levis, excuse me, was hurt in the joint practice with the Vikings, so he didn't end up playing in week two. We're a couple days away. They have a Friday game, which is even worse for that because he has you know fewer days to kind of get back to it. They're saying he's saying and Vrabel's saying like, oh, I'd be I really want to play Friday, but like he still had a pretty big wrap on his leg in practice today. So, I will say this though. Malik, Malik Levis Willis was, played the entire second game. It was will, okay. Yeah. I will say that the one thing that Levis was known for last year was playing through injury. So he's not going to call his own number and say, I can't go. He's going to say, I can go. Uh, it's just a question of whether the Titans let him, I guess. Um, yeah. Let's look at the odds. My, uh, my, yeah, he played, he played four drives, um, in the first preseason game, it wasn't it wasn't at all inspiring by any means. Especially, I saw, I, mean, I saw one clip of him making a nice pass one time this preseason, so that means something, right? Yeah, it was so. And Willis Willis started that game. Um, it was mostly Chicago backups, and then Levis Levis took over. Um, and I mean, against backup backups, and it just it wasn't great. So I'm I'm not super excited about the future of the quarterback either way. Um, Sixty to one to win the Super Bowl with the odds here. Forty to win the Yuck. AFC. Those numbers, yeah, missing a zero. AFC South three to one, three ten. Uh, probably should be five. I'd uh, I'd take the uh, two teams we talked about Monday before I took the Titans. I think at that price. At price. At price. Yeah. Yeah, two to so one true. to make the playoffs roughly minus two fifty to miss. I don't hate minus two fifty. It's just really hard to picture them winning nine, ten games, finding that wild card. Uh the win total is juicy over seven and a half. There are a lot of you know games that are lined right around that coin flip up to about three or four. So, you know, if uh if they trend to the good, that win total's probably mm-hmm. about right. Yeah. I tend to I tend to think that plus money in the under might be a a decent bet. I, I do anything. as well. 
I have not made a case for a lot of win totals. This is one that I show some decent value on the under, actually. Um, kind of out on win totals this year. My so you said the uh, the upside case of set of uh, nine or ten wins. Um, I have a twenty one percent chance through simming the season that the Titans win nine or more games. So that is not likely to make the playoffs. Um, my median projection for this team is six. My mean is six and a half. Uh, so under seven and a half at plus money is a fair bet. I'm not exactly sure why that's juiced to the over other than there's a legacy like with the Steelers of winning games that they shouldn't be winning. Um, and maybe that ultimately happens, but, um, Titans look like an old under to me. Yeah, I'm kind of there too. Um, I, I just I pulled up my preseason notes to kind of look at that over too. Again, guess, I'm uh, again I'm assuming that you get Ty J Spears is like my highlight of this uh, this team right now. <laughs> I again like I'm uh, these numbers that I'm quoting you too. I'm assuming you're getting 14 games out of Tannehill. That might be a little bit rich. Um, yeah. Dan, can we pull the schedule up one one more time, quick too? I wonder if there is a spot here. You know, maybe this is a team that it, it, it sucks because, you know, when a team kind of has a rough start and the, the second half of the schedule is a little softer, there's always like, well, maybe we can back them then. But like the standard bet would be to win the division, to make the playoffs. Like I just those numbers would have to be really big for me to even consider it. So I think maybe to Patrick's point in the chat, it might be a. And Wilkman just pointing out under now and um, maybe a late middle. Like if you see some okay. signs of life and they have, you know, they have Carolina, Indy, Houston, Houston. Uh, we'll see where Seattle's at. We'll see, you know, see where some of these teams are at. Even Tampa, maybe there's a case to be, you know, there's a case to be made for taking that late adjusted regular season win total over at some point. But also if things are going really rough, you know, does Tannehill miss time without being injured? Oh, J- Charles Saul just saying it too. The, what game do we see Levis? Like, there's a there's a decent chance that hey, this team's bad, but it's getting easier. Maybe I should back them to win a few games here, and then they surprise you by pulling Tannehill and starting you know Will Levis, and then then all of a sudden it's that's not as fun of a bet anymore, and you're feeling pretty awful. So, I'm I'm not super super uh i don't know i'm not gonna be super vigilant on entrance points on the tennessee titans for a positive bet and i think you know of all the of all the win totals we've talked about this is one where i guess i'm surprised the price is where it's at i would think it'd be slightly juiced to the under the bellwether game for the titans is going to be that falcons game coming off the bye If they've got, if they're they're if they're coming out of their bye with the adjustments they need at the off- offensive line, they've played some tougher pass rushes. They're going up against a team that can't necessarily lean into the pass funnel. Um, that's probably a decent time to buy low on Titans against the Falcons. Sad as it is to say, as I am a bull on the Falcons, um, that's the bellwether game. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the Falcons' pass rush is at that point with. Uh... 
you know, yep. uh, David Amanyada, Grady Jarrett, uh, the, the aforementioned Bud Dupree, like uh, Bud Dupree, Clay Campbell, Clay does Campbell. Art, It'll be. Does Art Smith have a couple of uh, uh, aces up his sleeve for his old boss, or vice yeah, versa? A, that's you know, that's one of those. That is one of those. Uh, pass rushes that has a chance to be okay and maybe more than okay so if that if that's coming true through the first seven weeks like oh this team's coming off the bye and the falcons are not that great but if that pass rush is good it's a weird game so uh range of outcomes three to eight i think that's correct good call uh the center body and range of my projections are Three, two, I guess really four. I have a 10% chance they win four games. I have a 10% chance they win eight games and then 13, 15, 15 in between. Um, so yeah, 10% chance or more that they win three, four, five, six, or really four, five, six, seven, eight. I think three is pretty pessimistic. What What is one thing that has to happen for them to win 10 games? Um. I, mean, I, I don't know that the like a lot of the the answer to that question is like what does it take to outperform your win total by three or four games? The answer to a lot of those questions are you got to have like a, Geno Smith has to suddenly be good. Like a lot of the answers are at quarterback. I I think we have a big enough body of work from Tannehill where it's just not just be like, hey, he's going to take this massive step forward and carry this team. I mean, he's played with AJ Brown. It's it's those teams were good, but they were good in different ways. You know, we, we saw those teams yeah. win a lot differently. It wasn't, you know, Tannehill's Mahomes. So it, them, it's, it's hard to make any cases for that. No, but, looking you know, looking at my da- looking at my my Sims here, for them to get to ten wins, they have to have a top three defense, and they're winning games twenty to seventeen. Fair. That's how it happens, and I think that's possible because, like that, like this defense is the defensive line, especially. We haven't really seen them with Landry, you know? Yeah. They were good last year. Uh, maybe they're not as much of a pass funnel because the pass rush is actually good. I don't know. Um, they could be excellent. I'm, I'm not ruling out that the defense is, uh, you know, is, is the yeah. unit that carries these but, guys. Again, that if the defense is greatly overperforming, you're playing both the rookie quarterbacks in your division twice. Exactly. You're playing, you're playing Bryce Young. You're playing Baker Mayfield, you're playing Kenny Pickett, you're playing Desmond Ritter, you know, you're, who knows yeah. what we have with, with Carr and Watson. You're, you're playing Geno Smith. Maybe there's regression. Who knows if Tua makes it to week 14. There's a lot of chances for this this defense to shine if it's good. Um, so I guess, yeah, that is the case. So betting plan of attack is uh, we need a lot more answers to determine what kind of team this is, because if this yeah. defense does take a step forward, then me, it's the same as last year where we're like, we're seeing these totals drop to 40 by week eight. I started and, at 40. It's 41. I think this is a week one over. <laughs> I, I don't like any overs week one, except for this game, really. Maybe the Seahawks game. Yeah. It's a lot of trust you're putting in this offense. Yeah. <laughs> Get to is. 20. Hey, hi Hopkins. Hopkins is, is healthy right now, not dinged up at all. Henry is healthy right now. He's, I, I'm not actually, I'm not here to pre- precipitate or to predict that there's going to be a sudden drop off on his form. He's built different. 
He's barely human. He's just he's a he's a tractor. After their week six bye, how many times did they get to twenty points last year? One. Twice. Twice. Yeah, yeah. That sounds right. I mean, this Packers. Packers. The yeah. the win at Lambeau. So that was the thing. They had Weird some. One, yeah. They had some nice wins. Like that win at the win at Lambeau was nice, and then uh, they scored twenty two against the Jags in a game they lost by two touchdowns anyway. Oh, I forgot about that. There was garbage time points in that one. Yeah, that wasn't like a an amazing offensive performance by any means. So, yeah, not. Uh, this is a team that we're not bullish on but there's so freaking much uncertainty on what this is going to be with a new oc with a new star receiver with a healthy quarterback with a completely reshuffled offensive line of you know that guys and the possibility of a, a decent defense so yeah this know. is the last I'm, yeah i'm not excited about this team but uh if the if defense they were to get to so. eight wins it would surprise me they're going to keep this defensive nucleus together. This is Tannehill's last ride. I don't think D-Hop is probably coming back. Maybe he will. Um, but uh, this is kind of the way it's going to be for the Titans for the next couple of years. I would put their over-under at next playoff appearance at 20, 26 and a half right now. Do you remember they were the one the, seed two years ago? I do. Now they got a bully in their division in Trevor Lawrence. They in trouble for... Let's, let's get to that. Let's, get to, uh, yeah. let's put a bow on the... Uh, the highlight of the season for me is still just the, they're, they're going to wear those Oilers uniforms. It's oh, hell so yeah. Clean. It's so clean. So, all right. That's it for the Titans. We'll catch you guys. They're doing tomorrow. it against Houston, too. For the Jaguars. <laughs> I, good. good. Rub yeah. it in their face. You lost yeah. your franchise. <laughs>